I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. I just want you to know I've got a sound in my heart It's a big metal rod Goes down to where I fart I stuck it in my nose And it went down my throat and now I'm here and I'm going to gloat. I'm the best sounder around. I like to stick those metal rods up and down. I move it all up, up in the sky. I'm sounding my butthole till the day I die. Are we started? Is this happening? Every day. I never stopped. Welcome to BDMFT. I'm so tired. We have been recording these BDMFT episodes consecutively. It's never stopped. I'm in so much pain. Yeah. We... I just want to see my family. Yeah, well, <laughs> get used to it, bitch. So, I am Ben the Beardo, although I think for the time being I will go by... Ben the Mustachioed Mensch was gonna go with Mustachioed Muchacho, but I am not of Latino descent and thought that would be inappropriate. I am not a muchacho. I am a man. Yes. I'm a mensch. You're a mensch. I can say that. All right. And that's because you have blonde hair. Is that correct? Yes. Word. So, first of all, I am Dick the Fetty. Second of all, I am deeply sorry for the previous BDMFT episode and the wild overuse of the filler word like. I have brought great shame to my house and my family and this podcast. And it is my goal to use that word as little as possible tonight. That being said, I'm sure I will just quickly relapse into it and ruin your experience and mine. I... For those who listened to the last episode, I tried my best to edit it out where I could, but because I say it so rapidly, I I could barely do it without making it sound like the episode had been sent through a blender. So know that I am ashamed and I did wrong. And I hope that those listening don't wince every time I say it by the end of the episode. I'm sure it sounded like half of the episode was hosted by a teen girl. Now, see, I used like there correctly. Right. You can do that. I give you permission. I appreciate it. So this year, well, first of all, well, third of all, fifth of all, wherever we are in this, I do want to say that I am incredibly pained by my inability to regale our listeners with the amount of gabber I have been listening to and my deep wealth of gabber knowledge as somebody who's only been to the Netherlands once and never been to a rave of that sort. But 
as much as a person 20 years after it all happened could be into it, I am. And I have so many good GABA records I've either recently bought or been re-listening to that I'd like to go on and on and on about. But with I'm thinking what I'll do when the series is finally fucking over is that I will sort of touch on some of the stuff that in the last, say, six months by that point, I've been listening to and just kind of highlight some of those those good ones but we'll see what happens i'm probably gonna forget i ever said this and that won't so yep but we're in 2015 people so we're halfway through and i promise you it only gets worse the lists do typically get shorter though and this this is a fun one i think this is a it's just i i think we should start with carly ray epson because or Carly of course Ray, we should. Uh, with Carly Rae Jepsen, I'm sorry. I, I'm always like leaning on the sort of Scandinavian pronunciation of J's from talking to the Fens too much. So it's always Carly Rae Epson in my head, and I don't know if it's Jepsen or Epson or whatever it is, but that's how I say it, whether I want to or not. But her 2015 album, Emotion, was the third album. A lot of people thought it was her second, but it's her third album and came... After a fairly long period of time, not really hot on the heels of the Call Me Maybe single, because she took a lot of time and spent a lot of money to create an album that would be a more definitive statement of who she was, rather than, I am the girl who did Call Me Maybe, and this is my attempt to catch lightning in a bottle a second time. And as a result, it was not the commercial success initially that they had hoped, but was critically well-received for the most part. And I think for a lot of people that love their pop music to be cavity-inducing, it was either an immediate hit or a sleeper hit. And for me, it was it took a little bit. It, it really honestly came from the meaning of it. And I developed a real deep love and appreciation for this album, hence why it's on my top albums of the decade. Although I will say that Call Me Maybe is an amazing song, and I spent many a hammered night just listening to it on repeat, being like, I wish somebody would call me baby. So. I'll call you baby, it's okay. So I think we can only talk about this album from just starting with the first track, Run Away With Me, which if you have watched any kind of Vine compilations after the death of Vine, or watched Vines when they were happening, or whatever... Run Away With Me is this amazing song that starts with this amazing saxophone and I'm just going to play it because there's no substitute.
so good, Ben. It's so very good. Well, I'm horny. Before I just goosh all over any more than I already have, do you do you want to say any words about Carly Rae, my obsession, or or anything? Uh, not really. I mean, it's fun. I like pop music. Yeah. It's not something that uh, a lot of people that we know and look at us on a relatively normal basis would really call in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So it's one of those things where 10 years ago or 15 years ago, when my life was defined by the music I listened to and was my identity, it was much more difficult for me to find those areas where pop music could be okay and because my sister would be listening to Britney Spears next door, I was like, no, Corn is way cooler. You know, well, that was more like 20 years ago. Or, well, like 17 years ago. But, you know, in my <laughs> early teens and whatever, it was like, oh, she's doing her thing and I'm doing mine. Now, I got into Depeche Mode when I was 14, 15. And I could do older pop, but it was always, like, it was cool because it was older, gothier pop. Even though, I mean, Depeche Mode's one of the biggest bands in the, ever. And... Stuff like that. There were always caveats that I allowed myself or, or justifications I made for why X, Y, or Z pop music was good. And the older I got, the less I needed that because for a while it was just like, if I'm doing coke, I want to listen to music that's fun to do coke to. And Gabber is one of those things. But also, like, really good pop music is because it essentially functions in the same way that Starburst or cocaine or a quick little rub out you know, during the workday works where it's just like a nice hit of dopamine that sort of gets you back on your feet and feeling good. And then if you string several hits together, it's like you're, now you're having a party. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think in some ways at 32 people would look at us and the band t-shirts we wear and whatever and say, oh, they're not into Carly Ray, But like those people just don't know what a good time is and are limited in their viewpoint on what we're into. But of course, anybody who knows me now knows I really like Carly Rae, and if you don't know that, then we're probably not very good friends. But <laughs> this, yeah, this oh. album, what, was, what were we going to say? You're just calling everybody out. Good thing no one we're friends with listens to our podcast. <laughs> well, they know, but they know. If, you, if you've ever been in my car for an extended period of time, you've heard some Carly Rae. But I, I will say, like, this, this didn't really hit for me the year it came out. It was more 2016. I think, uh, if memory serves me, but it's a really, it's a solid album. I would say that the, the biggest drawback of it is that it is a little, it's got too many songs, which it's hard to say you can have too much of a good thing, but I do think, I think it's partially my age where I just like shorter shit because my attention span's so wrecked. And also if you give me 10 good songs instead of 20, like, you know, songs where eight are really good and 12 are okay. I'm going to want the shorter version over yeah, time. I've come to enjoy all of them. And in classic pop music style, most of her songs don't go above four minutes, except for some of the slower ones. And that works in her favor. The, and it, I, I put this album on the list with a couple caveats myself. One of which is that in some ways I like her most recent album better. I think it's, a little bit of a more refined album and frankly has more personality hypothetically of who Carly Rae is. But this album still is 
they tried to make every song a banger and they basically succeed in doing that the other one i there's a couple i really like on here i mean i like i like them all but there's a couple that i really really like one is boy problems which i'll play in a second which is just like I'm cruising in my car and it's all rumble rumble looking tough and then I got this blast out my window and I'm bobbing my head and it's just you know it's the kind of thing that puts a smile on my face a little bit and when when the choruses and the hooks and all that are so good that the repetition works it's exceptional and when they don't catch you as much as when it's like the level of repetition that can be found on this album can be slightly frustrating because Often the verses, if you can even call them that, are four lines before we launch back into chorus. And I find that to be slightly disappointing and sometimes wish these songs went into more interesting arrangements. But if I was to relapse, I would certainly listen to Carly Rae on my downward spiral to hell because she is a very pleasant distraction. And the production on this album is typically extremely slick but not in a way where it's overly complex or complicated and i don't think will be sounding dated or a product of its time in five or ten years well it's been five years and i don't think it sounds like a product of its time that much i think it i think it's got some pretty classy production that will allow it to stay comfortably in the pop pantheon for a decade uh, with ease and people will go back and say like you know this is this is a pretty classic pop album from this time. And compared to a lot of other pop artists, like big, big pop artists I like, I definitely think she she hits the, the mark much more often on her albums song by song than other ones. There is another pop album I'm going to talk about for next year, I guess in the next episode, that to me is one of those where it's like the first half of it is so amazing it makes the list and the second half of it just isn't doesn't do much for me and this one i can put on the whole time and be like yes i enjoy this but i, right. I huh what was that no just agreeing with you yeah so let me play a quick clip from boy problems and then i will move on listen just leave or step but i'm done
I wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's my that song is my jam, and there's also a couple other ones later on, L.A. Hallucinations, and Blackheart that are a little different and fun, a lot of fun too. I will say as a, a final footnote. There is a whole B-Sides album from these recording sessions where she supposedly recorded literally hundreds of songs for the album and chiseled it down into the 15 songs that made it here. And the B-Sides album is lacks the cohesive flow of this one, although being a pop album, it's not like that. that it's not that it has a, an extreme vision to the track listing. But it's still very good, and there are very good songs on that too. So it does seem like she put a lot of effort into making a lot of good material and giving herself a lot of choice when putting this album together, which I think is a really good way to produce an album because when we only record just enough tracks to fill out the side of an LP, sometimes you wind up with subpar material in the name of getting it done. So she didn't, and I commend her for that. Yes, very good. <laughs> so I'm going to do what I did last time and, and jump around a bit so that we don't just get stuck in the old alphabetical grind. And let's see. I guess I would... Let's talk about Polar Inertia, the Kinematics Optics EP. So what's your level of familiarity with Polar Inertia, Ben? Not much. Not much, Okay. I've talked, I guess, a fair amount about techno over the years on the podcast, and it's tough because there's a lot of fucking techno out there, and finding things that really stand out and are amazing can be difficult, and often when you do, you find out, oh, this is like a 12-inch on some label that came out four years ago and was instantly sold out and now sells for $70, and it's two songs, and you think hmm, I don't know about all that. And Polar Inertia <laughs> falls sort of into that category because when I first heard them, I don't even know. I can typically trace where, where I heard things from. I don't know. I, they probably were a YouTube find, and maybe it was digging into old hard wax the distro pages and listening to 30-second samples. But... Polar Inertia are uh, two unknown French people, allegedly, who create this mystery-strewn... How can I put it? It's not mysterious techno. It kind of is, but it's not. No, they, they, they have a purposely manufactured image of mystery, and the there's been three main 12 inches, and on all of them they have this... A, a track that has narration about these polar children, these two twins, one's from uh, Portland, Maine, I think, and the other one's from Brazil, and they're having, like, the same dreams, and they're taken to this laboratory where the narrator works, and he helps take them out of the laboratory, and they're pursued by the government or whoever. And it's very strange to have these relatively long narrative tracks with, like, spoken word narration, story stuff, in the middle of a techno 12 inch that totally bangs. And that's part of what makes it cool and different. Even if sometimes it's not what I'm looking for when I go to put on polar inertia. And, right. but they're, they're 
their songs, like the techno tracks, and even those songs have more than just narration to them, are impeccable. I mean, they're just, because of, I guess, the the imagery they automatically invoke being called polar inertia, you think of like giant iceberg-like structures built in Ableton or whatever software-hardware combo they're using, these spiky techno songs, and typically half of the material is more low-key and the other half is slightly more driving, but it's all prickly and sharp without being like overly digital it's just right it's it is exceptional it's some of the best techno i've ever heard and certainly of the post 2000 style techno it is really amazing it's bigger than a lot of that samwell district kind of stuff although it has a lot of similarities i mean they're both top tier techno organizations whatever and they're they've only done releases essentially on demented which is this very posh techno label that takes some chances and has very fancy graphic design associated with it out of France. Francois K is probably one of the polar inertia guys. And anyways, this kinematics, uh, uh, kinematic optics EP is the, the best thing they've done. And they've done some really good tracks on some compilations here and there too. And some really cool remixes. I basically have all their stuff, which has cost me a goddamn arm and a leg I was lucky and picked up some represses that have happened, but I think their stuff's only been repressed once, and typically all of the 12 inches are selling for $50 and up, and this one now is sold out again and is like hundreds of dollars. It's insane. The The difference with this EP2 is that there are... There's a second 12-inch that's two 20-minute ambient-type tracks that are really good. They're sort of in the biostasis or mono lake at his ambient style of like techno artists doing more ambient work and they're not they're not drone like they definitely flow from thing to thing and they are really nice and they're good music to sleep to and they're also really well done to the point of like compelling listenings on their own which is part of what makes me pick the cp but the biggest reason i pick it is there's a song called hell frozen over that's just a monster and I will show you the part. Let me show you the part first, and then I'll explain the significance. But again, as like a 10-minute song, it works best if you listen to it start to finish. And as really exceptional techno, it's the kind of thing where you're not just hearing the same loop for 10 minutes or a variation of it. You truly enjoy it when you hear like there's an actual flow to a whole song here. So I'm going to show you two minutes of it. I'll talk about it, and then we'll move on.
well you can hear that over Zoom. I know that was an exceptionally long sample, but... Yeah, I kind of forgot we were uh, recording a podcast for a minute. I was just kind of grooving in my chair. My cat is on my lap right now, so I was just kind of like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Real comfy, real groovy. So the, the thing that they do, and is in all good techno songs, in my opinion, is there's always one element that's consistent and then gets shifted. And, and like, the, the, the modulation of that element becomes the highlight of the whole song, but it's oftentimes a specific modulation that lasts for a few seconds, but is the climax understated that it is. And in this case, it's the sort of hats slash symbols that you can't probably tell that well on Zoom, but pan back and forth throughout the track and have this very, they almost sound like a spoon on a ceramic bowl kind of a sound, like this kind of thing. And then the kick changes and they start they like hard pan back and forth for a second and it totally i don't know for me when i i'm just like oh fuck that's that's the part that's the shit that i'm here for and it's just it's it's so small but so essential for a techno track like to have that that moment and when i talked about yokai last time the cast grain song that has a similar thing where you know, there's all this, this modulated, you know, and, and, but then there there comes in a part where it's like, like this higher pitched sort of synthy awfulness that when it hits, that's when the drugs kick in, you know what I mean? Like that's when your brain's just like, fuck, we're here. And for this song, it's these snare hi-hat or not snare, but hi-hat symbol things. And that's it. That's all I need. Uh, it, it elevates it to best techno of that year. And yeah, fuck. Like, I don't know. It's, that's my favorite polar inertia song for that reason. And the other thing that is there for me with this particular EP and polar inertia generally was Jared and I played through Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin, which is the sort of, like, remixed version of it, one weekend, and we beat the entire game. We didn't 100% it, but we beat everything, every boss, every optional boss, and all that kind of stuff. And we just yeah. we just nonstop played. We slept for, like, six hours each night and then played for, you know, the other 18 hours pretty much unceasingly, just chain-smoking cigarettes, sitting in my room, and in my... my uh, apartment and when we got to the last dlc which is i forget the name of it but it's like all in this frozen world we just looped polar inertia for like however many hours six seven eight hours we spent an inordinate amount of time on that part of the game because it's the hardest thing you can do in the whole game and it was just the soundtrack so it was perfect at the time and now every time i hear it i think of that game and that experience which was amazing and so much fun so I will always treasure polar inertia for that reason. It's just, it's just really, I don't know. To me, it's just really exceptional techno. And as somebody who loves techno, really exceptional techno, some of the best music you can listen to. It's real good. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. If you're even remotely interested in techno, the other tracks are less they're not less driving, but I would say they're slightly less aggressive, quote unquote, sounding than that one. 
And the one that follows it, Vertical Ice, which is an awesome title, has apparently and disappointingly some stolen atmospherics taken straight out of a Tim Hecker song from like the year or two before. Somebody posted it on Discogs. They were like, "Is this? Isn't this just blah 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 song?" And I went and listened to them both. I'm like, "Yeah, I think they they slowed it down one percent and then just threw it into the intro." And and finding that out was a little disappointing because. You know, it's just kind of a cheap way to do something. Like, your techno yeah. producers, like, you can make your own atmospherics. Like, I steal people's music all the time for Concrete Mascara, but then I force it through a power electronics, you know, sort of setup that makes it typically unknown and unknowable. Uh, and even that's still probably lazy, but whatever. Even with that demarcation, I'd still say top top EP of the decade, you know. So, top EP of the decade. I mean, not like not the greatest EP of all the decade, but certainly of the year <laughs> and one one of the best of the decade. You know, that's why it's in the series. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so let's 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 do this. Let's pick up the pace. The uh, it's hard though. I mean, this is why these episodes run long. Sorry, guys, but like I just love this shit that I'm talking about, so I'm trying to give it its fair due. And a lot of these, I think a fair amount of these albums aren't going to get a lot of meaningful press otherwise, and I don't want them to be forgotten. And at least they'll be enshrined in the sort of digital cloud space of the world for the rest of time or until the servers crash. So, <laughs> to switch it up, although not actually, but kind of a little bit, am not unpunished which came out on unrest productions and this is a power electronics album although it's definitely not just a power electronics album i was still living with my parents so i think it came out in the very beginning of 2015 if memory serves me correctly and it is very electronic oriented and very clean Tamin, who is the guy behind the project, is an impressive producer and comes from a similar, well, at least in part, has a similar hard techno, hardcore, gabber, whatever, appreciation and background that I do. And while there are no gabber beats to be found, per se, there are, there is certainly a clear appreciation for warp records and stuff like Future Rave and The Mover and all of that Marco Cartapain type of weird electronics. And he is, he's of a much more, it's, it's certainly politically oriented power electronics, which is a pretty classic kind of a thing. But I would say that he's definitely more on the leftist, although not just that, but like definitely more left-leaning than a lot of, you know, alleged or actually sort of neo-Nazi-ish, right-wing extremist or anti-humanist, whatever stuff. The whole album, and I don't want to oversimplify for him because I'm sure it's more intricate than what I'm going to say, but the album is basically looks at conflict, dictators, and oppression and all that, like classic paralectronic stuff, but looks at it in a meaningful way with an understanding of global conflict and global oppression and doctoring of the news and all those kinds of stuff. Like, again, Genocide Organs covered this. Lots of other groups have covered this. But he definitely covers it in a way that's not throw in a speech from a dictator, boom, we've got atmosphere. It's 
these tracks and these lyrics, most of all, have a very specific theme and uh, there's there's a mindfulness to what he's doing. Like, it's not just for effect, but it's for a greater purpose and there's real artistry behind it. Like, there's which I I greatly appreciate and then the sonics really back it up they just the songs sound amazing and I saw him perform live at United Forces of Industrial later that in 2015 when I played and his set was fucking awesome there was a little bit of technical issues but largely it was exactly what I would have expected and it was just sharply executed and had great backing video stuff that for some people might be a little too on the nose of current political things, but I liked his willingness to go there in a way that didn't feel like shitty punk rock, you know, oh, Reagan's bad or, or Bush is bad or, or Trump's bad, but went a little deeper than that. And right. I'm going to, I'm just going to play part of the first song because his vocal delivery and the electronics are so sinister and so good. And when I got this album, the day I got it, it was uh, snowing substantially in New Jersey. And I had to go drive and do a bunch of deliveries for my mom. And it was such a nice soundtrack for like this terrifying and miserable weather. And that, again, is always ingrained in my brain when I listen to it. So this is Am Not the Unpunished. Blameless and invisible. Under assumptions of 
two old pets in the building. Yeah. Wonderful. Pretty spooky stuff. Super spooky. I'm all alone in my living room. Super <laughs> spooky down here. That did not help. Yeah. <laughs> there is no God. Karma sleeps indifferent. Like, it's just... The the way it opens, his deadpan... He doesn't do that much aggro vocals. They're mostly slightly affected and clear and concise. So he doesn't have to hide his shitty lyrics because his lyrics aren't shitty. Like You get to actually hear what he's saying because it's worth hearing. I really appreciate yeah. that. I think that's the only time I've actually been able to fully understand the lyrics. Yeah. It's just, it's the whole album is, is solid all the way through. And I appreciate the things he's done since. He's done several good albums and really good, interesting EPs. But this, this first one hits it on the head for me more than anything else, which... You know, no artist wants to hear that their first thing's their best thing. And I'm not even saying that, but it's just my favorite. It's the one that really struck home first. And he did a, he did a long EP before this, which is much more industrial sounding, whereas this is much more power electronics. But I just love the electronic aspect of it. That song only barely touches it. You can hear in the sample, but it really goes from there. There's another song called Dark Heart Katanga about the Belgian exploitation and colonization in the Congo and the opening samples are just really rough and the lyrics are rough and the whole, it's got this driving rhythmic aspect and it's, it's, it's good stuff. So definitely if you're into power electronics and well, I can't believe you'd be into power electronics and not know him not, but if you don't, then you need to peep this. Although I think the CD is pretty out of print and worth again, some money at this point, but Definitely an artist who I always watch and pick up his new stuff from. I don't even worry that it's going to be good. I know it will be, so. I would love if, you know, if we ever become popular enough, uh, just someone to smash cut, like, you talking about how much of your collection is worth so much money now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even do it in that kind of a sense. It's more of... no. No, I know. That's why it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just more about, you know, I try to, I don't, I don't typically spend a lot of money on out-of-print stuff, and I like to let people know before they get all exciting, go to Discogs, because there's nothing more disappointing than being like, oh, this new artist is sick, I just heard on YouTube, and then they've got one demo tape, and it's selling for $400, and you're like, what the fuck, didn't this come out three months ago? So, you know. I wanna, I'm going to switch gears, though, and go back to something completely different, although very electronic-oriented, too, so I guess not that different in some ways. This is Braids, Deep in the Iris, which is this indie, tronica, art rock, synth pop, very... I don't want to say that. Well, just very different and i saw this band i found out about them originally when i saw them open for purity ring in 2015 and they were touring concurrently with this album and then i saw them again the following year headlining but at a much smaller space playing stuff from this album and then the companion ep that dropped the next year and i'm sure for some people that are maybe i don't know well let me back up and say where Carly Rae Epson is 
clearly pop music that isn't very personal most of the time and is way more about having a good time and just that kind of party, you know, energy and whatever. Braids came from a more neo-psychedelic background and then with this album became substantially darker and it's essentially, it's in many ways a catharsis and dealing with trauma of the lead singer through the lyrics and everything else and it's it's so much of like a liberal arts college kind of girls sort of album in a certain way and i don't mean that to be like sexist or whatever but it just like i listen to it i'm like oh fuck like i should be you know 10 years younger and a chick but and that's i guess i probably sound fucking whatever but man if you were 10 years younger and a chick yeah i know but yeah we'd be we'd be be much more popular but no, it's just this very gorgeous album and the sort of main song in the album that's kind of the upbeat party sounding song is a song called Miniskirt about how her and her sister were sexually assaulted by this guy that was dating their mom and then how her mom dealt with that and they moved to Canada and it's like this whole thing set to this driving electronic beat and it's very much like a... I don't want to say like a liberated woman, but like just like a woman like talking about like traumatic shit openly in a way that I don't know, can be very uncomfortable to hear, especially for me, who's never had sexual trauma in my life. And it's just like honest and raw, but also a really well-written and like enjoyable song in its own sense. And she's talked about in interviews, like that's just her way that she finally was able to deal with it in a healthy, positive way. And so it's not like shameful for her to like sing the song or anything. And I don't know, it's, it's really nice and different because the, especially when you hear what I'm going to talk about after this, you're like, what the fuck? And I really, really, it's a beautiful album. That song is really great, but I want to, I'm going to play a different one called happy win. And this is another one where this is an album typical, or this is an album where the lyrics are very important and they're really good. And I am really bad at discerning them. I really normally have to read them. And when I finally read the lyrics for this song, I I thought like part of it was so different. I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's called Honestly. Ha- mm-hmm. It's 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 I, I'm listening, but it's really hard for me to think about anything other than you being a twenty three year old girl right now. Sure. So Fair. It's called Happy When and the sort of essential thing of it is I'll be happy when dot, dot, dot. And as somebody who's tried to shake that from their own life of setting conditions on my happiness, I can really identify. And it's, it's just like music. That's not horrible power electronics or black metal or like, or whatever other stuff. It's not abstract. It's very immediate music. That's emotional. And I don't know, whatever it's, I like this album a lot and I'm very excited because they've got a new album that was supposed to come out last month, but this whole COVID shit's delayed the physical release. But anyway, ruining our lives. Yeah. So here we go.
part of that song is so good song though yeah yeah it it's it's also tied to like a specific time when i was going through a lot of personal upheaval and whatever and i also listened to it most well several times in a row the first when i first got it playing bioshock infinite for the first time which it worked really well with and one of the things that i really enjoy about it is that the electronics are good, but just generally the song structures kind of go all over the place and not in a boring or weird way, but like in a, but in a thoughtful, progressive kind of a style. And they're really a cool live band too. So it's definitely very different than a lot of the music I listen to, but, and I think I benefit from not having any exposure or very limited exposure to similar types of music. So I don't know if they're derivative, if they're not or whatever, I don't have to like carry the weight of all that type of judgment. When I listen to it, I just hear it and think this is different. And I like this very much. I am having a good time. This is me and I am having a good time, sir. Me, me, good boy. Me have good boy time. Yeah. So the next one is is totally different. <laughs> Grunt, who has released many albums in the past decade, and I struggled. I wanted to do Castrate the Illusionist, which came out a couple years after, or I could have done the album that came out concurrent with this, Myth of Blood. They are all excellent, excellent albums. World in a Camouflage is also excellent. He doesn't really make bad albums, but this EP is... The reason I picked this is there are three songs. There's a, basically an intro track, the second song, and then the B-side to the tape. It was originally on tape, and then later it was uh, a 12-inch, one-sided 12-inch. The last song is called Gas Fumes, and you can read into that however you want. 
but it's the most like monstrous ripping power electronic song I've heard from maybe the last 10 years easily the last five now now by gas fumes do you mean farts I sure do and <laughs> there there's been so much good power electronics so much of it by grunt and related artists in the past decade but I think this one just takes everything I like about the grunt sound it's the vocals are really good they go through different effects the song itself changes a bunch I just watched Stalker by Tarkovsky a couple nights ago, and there are aspects of this song that kind of remind me of that. It goes into this soft part towards the end, this more chill part. It's just, it's such an incredibly well-made and interesting song that has real evolution, even though it's, and it's 10 minutes long and it's a power electronics track, but it's so much better than that. So I'm just going to play from the earlier part of the song when it's really brutal, but it's I don't have much more to say other than I love Finnish Power Electronics and this is like this is the track and yeah so let's do it so prepare your butts just it's savage and the the fucking squiggly like feedback is so unsettling 
And then it just sounds, it sounds like the haters when they did, I can't think of it, it's probably just called Crash, but they have an album that's just the warped sounds of car crashes. And it's it sounds kind of like that. There's this surging, you know, the surging synth. And then there's just like, like this, it, and then the whole time, the wiggling, squiggling feedback, and then the prolonged, like, screams by Miko. It's just... I, I listen to that, and I'm like, well, I think I'm not going to make power electronics anymore. Why would I even bother? Like, that's that happened. What the fuck? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah. Get good? I guess so. I mean, what what are your feelings on that horrible nightmare? Uh, it's a horrible nightmare, but the kind that I enjoy? Sure, sure. It's just a really nice piece that goes with the Myth of Blood style, which is everything sounds fuzzy and recorded to tape and simple, and there's lots of squiggly feedback and internal feedback loops, and typically no more than four tracks, as I believe the whole thing was recorded on a four-track recorder anyway. And it's the... If you're going to do a few elements only, then you better make sure those elements are all amazing. And with somebody with 25 years of experience, he's able to do that, at least to my taste. I mean, I think the popular thing now is to bitch and moan about Grunt and Miko Aspa generally, but I don't buy into that. When I hear stuff, I'm typically wowed, and this is no... Like, this is this is why. This is the track that is why. And it's just... It's one of those where I keep turning it louder when I listen to it to the point where my head's like physically uncomfortable. So, and to continue on that same vein, so that's on Freak Animal. On the sister label, Northern Heritage, was Miko's Clandestine Blaze album of that year, New Golgotha Rising. And it's been really nice because for the past decade, most years, Clandestine Blaze and Grunt release albums in the same year. So it's just a wealth of good music to listen to. And this, this album in particular seems to be, in my opinion, influenced by what he was doing with La Ponderisti, which is the Oi project that was really getting legs and moving at this point. And there's this, oh, Culling Species song, which has very much a sort of a Ponderisti style to it. And the vocal delivery isn't your black metal style, but closer to the oi kind of Valponderisti thing and it's the whole album definitely it feels they're always dark throne sounding in some ways and this one feels like a touch of more modern dark throne or, or I don't even know like it's just it's got like a little bit of a punk rock element in, and I hate punk rock but it works in this case but at the same time, the first song has like a fucking bitchin' solo in it, which totally rules. So, you know, I mean, Clandestine Blaze, if you're not up for this kind of, uh, not, un, how can I say it, insensitive music, like, uh, Miko Aspa's not worried about stepping on toes. He's been doing his thing for quite some time. You either know what it's about and are, are willing to put up with it or you're into it or... Or you're not into either and you're saying, fuck this, so this is bullshit music. But I like it, and I think that this is, of all the albums that have come after Church of Atrocity, 
this is easily my favorite, although I haven't heard the most recent one, so I'm at a slight disadvantage, but it's hard to imagine it getting as good as this again, but I don't know, whatever. Anyways, I'm going to play Evocation Under Starlit Sky, which is the opener from New Golgotha Rising. Does the vocals, does the lyrics, does the drums, does the guitars, does the bass, does the artwork, does the releasing, does it fucking all. And unlike most one metal black, one person black metal bands, it doesn't suck. It doesn't fucking suck. It's not like I do it all because nobody else will put up with my terrible bullshit. It's I do it all because I can and it's sick, you know? And it's fucking awesome. At least I think so. So, I don't know. There, and granted, there's a lot of clumsy but excellent one-man black metal projects, too. Zaster comes to mind, Burzum well before him. You know, there's a long history of that in the... I mean, Quarthen of Bathory and all that, you know. One-man one black metal projects has been there since day fucking one, for sure. So I'm not trying to say that he's the only one who's good at that. But... I just find it impressive, and I think that even if you're not into the lyrics or the style or whatever, you can't say the guy doesn't work hard to make exactly what he wants. And it's, I understand the idea of who's the most reliable person I know. Oh, it's me. I guess I'll just do it all myself. So who's Burzum? You're kidding, right? Yes, of course I'm kidding. You fucking idiot. I'm just I'm like, we're not gonna have to go into this, right? Please don't, don't make me do this. <laughs> Frank, I need you to do just an entire piece uh, about church burnings and murder. Well, as you know, Ben, there's nothing I hate more than the rehashing of fucking second wave black metal in Norway. So, strap in. But, 
Uh, all right, go ahead. Okay. We've only got a couple left. This next one's real easy. It's one song, but I think it's the greatest representation of this project, and it's an awesome song. So it's making the list as a single song. The artist has only released one album, and that's only sort of been released because she fucking has delayed the actual physical release for six months now. I don't even know how that's possible to fuck that up, but... I mean, I don't think it's her fault. I think it's the label's fault. But I'm talking about Hannah Diamond, who is probably my favorite pop artist of this decade to come out of this decade. Because technically, Carly Rae Epson came out of the decade before. And even compared to her, I don't know. I really love Hannah Diamond. So, but the song is called High. Uh-huh. What were you going to say? But who do you love more? I think Hannah Diamond. Mm, okay. But maybe Carly Rae. It's tough. Hannah Diamond is, well, anyways, she she's basically, it's the concept of if an AI was a chick and the chick made the most ultra sweet saccharine music you've ever heard, filtered through slight weeaboo tendencies and Ghost in the Shell 2.0, this they, is what they it They have that in Japan. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's Atsune... Uh, what is her name? Atsune Miku. Thank you. Miku. 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 Yeah. So it's like that, except for, as Hannah Diamond says on her website and when she tours, I am real. I first heard this stuff in 2005, 2016 and was thinking to myself, what the fuck is this? But I liked it. And then it wasn't until two years ago, year and a half ago, that I really got into it. But this is this song high is kind of the quintessential it sort of explains the whole deal, like her whole thing in a single song. So let me play a little bit of it. So I see you looking right at me. Do I look like someone that you know? I'll never know. Feels like I know you, though all I have is your picture. But I think that you look pretty good. But is it really the real you? You say you're as real as it gets What do you mean? Tell me a secret Or something that only you know I just need to know a little more
good to see. So, I think that with the whole first verse and first recitation of the chorus, it kind of nails it. Like the whole, her whole thing is talking about the mundanity of technology and the way it affects our relationships, and it's just, it's ultra twee and like a middle schooler's discussion of romance and relationship and whatever. But then with this additional aspect of the image and the discussion of tech, I think it turns it into something else that's meta, but in a way that works for me that I'm surprised by. Yes. And, and I'm saying this in no way sarcastically. Uh, One, I, I, I love it. And two, um, I want to blare it, just absolutely pollute the airwaves uh, from my car in hot weather as I drink an iced coffee on the way to get a pedicure. Yeah, that's right. Like, there's like I'm in no way joking. This is all seriousness. The moment it is like 80 degrees out, I'm doing that. I think that's the right thing to do. I think that's the responsible choice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe we can do it together when we do it. Oh, it'll be, yay. Yeah, one day the pandemic will be over and everyone will be dead. And the highways will be clear. Well, we had a little technical discovery, guys. Apparently Ben sounds better when he's not on his shitty earbud microphone, but directly on the phone. So we're going to try this. Hopefully it doesn't fail us. It will. Yeah. Usually I can't do I live with other people. Selfish bastards. I know. So that's Hannah Diamond. I have so much more to say about her, but not the time to do it. And I didn't I review Reflections anyway at for the end of the year last year? I'm pretty sure I did, so... But maybe not. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't listen to our podcast. You liar. You're lying to me. <laughs> Or anything that comes out of your mouth on our podcast. Well, that's fair. I understand that aspect. All right. So, in the same techno vein, well, I should say, in the sense of dependent on the digital distribution of the world, much like Hannah Diamond's High, which is a digital-only single, sadly, and did not make her album, which was stupid, I'm going to review Dash, who is a rapper, uh, his mixtape Screwface which is easily the best thing he's done for my taste and is supposedly, I guess it's supposed to be kind of a take on screw rap and screw beats and whatever, which it barely is, but it's basically a showcase for a couple really fucking awesome producers and his rapping style, which works well with the druggy fucked up beats to come up with this like short, but very effective mixtape. He does a lot of other stuff where I feel like he's always trying so hard to sound so tough and just comes out corny, but on this tape it works. And there's this song with Black China where he they sample a bunch from True or not True, I mean it's uh, Natural Born Killers, and they rap back and forth, and it's just really really good. And his rapping is my favorite kind: drugs, women, drugs, and violence. So, yeah. Let me just... Did you say drugs twice? I did. Interesting. So this is called Highway 66, and I'm going to play a little bit for you. Mickey Knox's plan worked. We walked out the front door into my newsman and made our getaway. 
When we were followed by patrol pass. Yes, off. Mallory shot. Deputy yes, shot. Yes, off. Him up and his body out. Yes, off. Young, never been dumb, underground drunk, feeling like the iron shit. Global gang, fast money made, man, bitch, we the secret society. Young niggas, hammers twice their age, and I know that they gon' rock for me. I can get you whack for a quarter pee, I make the right call and you gon' die for free. Who the fuck you niggas thought it was? The old double LA robbing all the plugs, mommy with me singing, fuck with the slugs on, drugging the thug, sending and winning, I'm paid to speak. In English, you would think I passed no. Chewing on these flats, burning up this gas no. Drinking on this mud, thinking will I last no. Why I'm moving fast, getting to this cash Still with that action, I still get it bragging I'm still Billy Mackin', still get it popping I'm still on that block, I'm on broke, there's no option We still got that work, it's a letter to dirt Niggas gone berserk, we got it for cheap Niggas fuck with the squad, you dead in the week yeah. You said the love to do that! am and it will it's just that you're the last one one this is not about you you egomaniac kind of like you but if we let you go we'd be just like everybody else you want to tell me the definition of real rap it differentiates trill rap and drill rap if i left it up to you niggas you probably kill rap you could think your guardian name is the chizzy still rap Cause niggas needin' more than some helping hands Whole bunch of yes men, lying to you Frontin' on the next man Knowin' damn well that's they best man Back and forth and round and round And never was your goddamn uh Let me sip this chamomile and chill Gettin' turned up Still all in the sights about the pills Feelin' burnt out Wishin' that another bitch would Or her nigga will Actin' like they really in the field Fuck you to do when they don't keep it real Tell me what the deal, fool Tell me how you feel Cause I'm feelin' shade They ask me about the moves I make And my pocket change Tell me about your pocket change, nigga Is it cause I copped an ounce Then I rolled an eighth Then I sold a half Sold the dollar shade Stayed away from weight Gained some weight Never saw some breaks When it's about the cake Fuck you stand Countin' bands Sellin' Zans with my mans At the stands I'm the plug Should you need one Niggas on the gram Sellin' grams You should see them Shit is like a rerun Tired of screamin' free them heathens Never any better On my car fake DM Let's make a that's that's fun. That's wholesome. That's super fun. It's it's sad because I'm pretty sure that the China who's on this song is the China from Philadelphia who just died like two weeks ago from a drug overdose. She what? was a yeah, she was a young model and rapper who was associated with ASAP uh crew and a bunch of other really good rappers, so it's probably totally her now that I think of it. And her that's all yeah, I know. It's a bummer. Sadly, uh, young SoundCloud rappers seem to die pretty frequently from drug overdoses. Who would have who guessed? So, although it wasn't like rappers weren't dying before from drug overdoses. This isn't really a new phenomenon. But the the whole... The, the first half of the EP starts off a little bit more chill. He, he does a fair amount of sort of jazzy-influenced stuff on his mixtapes, which I like to a point. But the second half is... It starts with the Maxo Cream features on the song before, then it's China on that one and Wretch on the next. And the next song is called Blackout Boys, and it's like drugs, sex, murder, sex, drugs, violence, murder, drugs. Like, that's the thing, like, part of the beat that just is under it. And I'm like, yup. So, <laughs> it's... Yup. It's, it's, it's very much my speed. This, this was part of a, a shitload of rap I downloaded and listened to in early 2017 when i was madly in love with my fiance i mean still madly in love with her but 
in the early period where we just listened to lots of rap and had fun times and it was it was wild uh this is my favorite thing i've pulled out of that besides my fiance well no i take that back schoolboy you don't pull out of your fiance (laughs) (laughs) schoolboy q's album blank face which comes out next year which i'll review obviously next time is the other one that's that's like that's really artistry this is this is lower art but still very good and if you're into if you're into this kind of soundcloud rappy type stuff i think most people could dig on this so but i think that i don't need to really spend any more time so we've got two more and then then that'll wrap it up i think i can get through this one by telling the most shortest version of this story possible but i sort of feel like it's necessary even though it's not about the album Anyway, Tell the full story. Well, okay. Cahill is one dude from Genocide Oregon and the dude from Anencephalia. And in the later years of Anencephalia, it was that dude from Genocide Oregon with the dude from Anencephalia. So it's basically just Anencephalia, but... And also the guy from Anencephalia was in Genocide Oregon. So they work together quite frequently this new project is not that different than those if you're familiar with German heavy electronics, but it also is. And I'd say that the first album was the least risk-taking, but also the album that made me fall in love. I got the, the vinyl when it came out. I saw them in Philadelphia, and I'm going to tell that story in a second. But this album is definitely the better album. And the only reason I'm picking this over their most recent one called Syndrome Antidrome is that I've spent more time with this album than the most, the newest one. But the newest one is also like fucking dark and really, really, really good. But I just don't have, I just don't know that I can say that that's, if I was to pick one album from the decade, which all three of their albums are in. I think it's got to be this one because this one is just really got next level shit on it. And sometimes it just sounds like a really good Anencephalia track or a really good Genocide Organ track, more like Anencephalia. But yeah, it's it's something else. And so the story is they played for Tesco Fest in 2011 in Philadelphia and in well they played in Philadelphia and the night before an Enzophilia played in Brooklyn and it was right around my birthday and it was a fucking sloppy shit show I was still drinking and the very long story short is the first night we drank way too much and I think I've even shared the story before where like where I drank so much that I was basically blacked out during the show in and out of consciousness. And during <clears throat> one of the early sets by Omi, which is sickness's side project, I wound up taking a razor out of my wallet and slicing up my arms while I was standing in the crowd, but didn't even realize it and came to, and my friends were like, why is there blood at your feet? And I opened my mouth and I had a razor blade in it. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And, so I was kind of in a weird headspace the first night. <laughs> I was kind of in a weird headspace. No big deals. Yeah. And the second night, we decided, after getting shithouse drunk again, to pick up a bunch of dope. This Don't do drugs, kids. 
and we got to the venue and we were so doped up that we kept falling asleep on this couch in a side room and they were they kept saying we had to leave if we kept sleeping and i was like i'm just dipping out like give me a second and i'll get up and then i'm not sleeping i'm on drugs okay the bartender would walk away and we would just rip lines of dope off my phone it was real it, it was true american noise scene type degenerate drug addiction shit like this is this is the difference between europe and the u.s like this is how we do it over here and uh so when cahill finally played that night they played after yellow tears who played the most disturbing and unpleasant set i've ever seen any band ever play in my entire life and i don't really remember much of it other than there being a small tv with a woman eating dog food for the entirety of it and it just kept making me vomit every time I looked at it and I would just get up and go to the bathroom and throw up and come back. And I was very dangerously close to just like nervous system shutdown type shit. Everyone I was with was super fucked up. And the fact that we even got home that night was an incredible miracle. But when Cahill came on, they basically played their first album and then a couple other tracks and they had these really intense backing videos and they have a song called adrenaline. And it was just like adrenaline adrenaline and it was just like my brain was like we're we're gonna die now like this is it you've reached the gates of hell and i remember looking at my buddy who will remain nameless and he was just like what the fuck have we done you know just this this sheer terror in his eyes and we all woke up the next day and thought we should we can't do this stuff anymore i mean it still took me two years to quit but we, we should really should avoid doing things like this. This is so... We were driving back and I kept opening the door and just nearly like having it ripped off by other cars and fire hydrants as I puked out of the car while my friend tried to drive us home. It was a real bad time. That was also sick. And so Cahill will always occupy a space in my brain that's associated with some real dark vibes. And Zone Zero by Cahill on Tesco Org is... Right in line with that shit. Dope. Dope. Doping. There, <laughs> there are two songs. One is called Infirmity Anthem. That is the sort of halfway point on the album. And then the, the one after Ghosts of Common Past does this switch up. And I'm going to try to... I'll, I'll play the clip of the part leading into the switch up and then a little bit after the switch up. It's just... Listen to the lyrics because they describe the way I felt that night pretty, pretty well.
it's just too brutal without being <laughs> without being harsh you know it, it the the lead in parts like the blind lead the blind the blind lead the blind and then and then he says i wake up i used to wake up every night i used to have headaches every night i used to have neck tension every night and then there's a little part i can't understand but he says you know i look in the mirror and i try to like wash off something and he's like why can't they read what i can read why can't they see what i can see you know it, it just and the, the the despondence of it the whole robotic like just if <laughs> i don't know my life my whole lens for the world is is uh robitussin colored so when i hear <laughs> shit like that it really hits me in a deep and specific place and even though i don't live in that place anymore and this album came out when i was sober it didn't it doesn't matter. It can still take me back there and still fuck me up. And I really appreciate it for doing that because I don't know. It's it's just it's exceptional industrial music that also still works in the sense of I think it's it's like a reflection of the wildly dehumanized lives that we all live, which in one sense isn't profound because we're bags of meat waiting to die or be repurposed, I should say. But on the other hand, the idea, yeah, I, it's just like uh, look behind the veil kind of a feeling from it, you know? All right, Socrates. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's very good industrial music, and I'm super grateful that the Germans are still doing this kind of a thing. I find it really frustrating when Genocide Organ still tends to release 50 copies of a tape when they have hundreds upon hundreds of people interested in their music and i think who is that going to go to other than the person who's sitting by twitter or whatever waiting for this to release that's very annoying but then cahill releases their albums in normal quantities and they're very good and they're not expensive and i think wow this is great I, this album is so good why would we want to needlessly limit it oh we didn't that's awesome so <laughs> They're 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 an incredible group, and I. In some ways, it's not that original because they've been doing similar things with their own projects in the past. But I feel like there's just enough of an update and a synthesis between the two artists who come together for this project that it's it's very 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 good and very, it has its own thing going for it. So. I will highly recommend both the album before Hell Station and the album after. Syndrome Antidrome, but if you had to pick one, Zone Zero would probably be it. Just the, all those those synthy drones, you know, just flickering dead light bullshit. Oh, fuck me up. <laughs> You're I, so cute. I'm going to end on something a little different and much nicer. We don't have to go to bed with nightmares tonight. So... I think I've barely mentioned Vaporwave ever in this podcast. And that's not because it's a bad thing, because it's not. It's not a dirty word. And it certainly has affected the cultural zeitgeist in a major way in the past few years. But there is one label that has sort of memed itself while at the same time taken it to a place that I think 
took it out of being a meme in the first place and made it into something that got a lot of mainstream attention and respect, which is Dream Catalog. And the specific release that really did that was 2814's second album, which is what I'm recommending. It's, I don't know what the Japanese characters translate to. I just call it their second album. Their first album was really good, and it's Telepath, Telepath, and HKE, HKE Hong Kong Express together. And there's basically everything, I would say, I mean, you've got Macintosh Plus, and you've got Echo Jams, which are the quintessential beginnings of Vaporwave, and the sort of meme version, and the more throwback video game version and then you have this album and everything that's happened after like, this is the album that was the sort of high watermark in my opinion and it's partially because it's not really a vaporwave album it's ambient dub techno and it's made by people that you would it sounds like a fucking echo space album and echo space slash basic chan or deep chord rather are masters of gauzy dub techno from the post basic channel chain reactions thing which is like the quintessential dub techno so it's it feels like an almost unbroken line to this place and there are a lot of other albums that if you like this kind of thing forget worrying about dream catalog check out yagya's the rhythm of snow or rigning which is just means raining in icelandic those two albums are masterpieces of gauzy ambient dub techno or check out deep chord presents echo space the coldest season because that's another landmark or the recent reissues of vladislav delay and some other chain reaction stuff porter ricks maybe a little less so not that that's not amazing but just different but i say that because for those who might hear this and think this is its own thing that's never happened before there are many precursors to it that are incredible incredible albums that should not be forgotten especially yaga he's like a fucking genius but this one is just the first song is this 10 minute rendition of if we took everything everybody ever loved about blade runner and the blade runner soundtrack the original one and then we somehow updated it for 2015 they did it they did it and they made it into one song and that's just the opener for the album which is a little unfortunate because all the other tracks are very good but the opener really fucking kills it even by bringing in the sound of a police siren but just at the right volume that it's not intrusive and it sounds way too real sometimes when it's late at night but like so perfectly is that cop car driving by your rainy 400th story you know ziggurat styled apartment building in future la type of shit and it's just it's so beautiful. It's so, it has that perfect level of emotionality without being cheesy and that perfect amount of chill without putting you to sleep. And it's just amazing. And it, it got me to check out more Telepath Telepath and check out the old HKE, HKE releases, which are all very good too. Well, mostly pretty good. Some of them are a little long, but. So what you're saying is it's definitely uh, some good cyberpunk uh, music. Oh, are you shitting me? Like this is the soundtrack. To, this is this is all of the chill parts of any cyberpunk anything. This is this is the scene in Ghost in the Shell when Major Kusanagi wakes up, and it's her silhouetted against her window, showing Neo Tokyo or whatever they call it in Tokyo Four and Ghost in the Shell or whatever the fuck it is. 
there's that scene in the movie and then the other movie and then in every series and everything because when they drew it in the manga when Masamune Shiro drew it in the manga he hit gold and everyone was like oh we have to do this in the movies and they do because it's an amazing visual and this is that with some rain added and if you can't beat it it's all of the the colored versions of the ghost in the shell comic covers which if you've seen them either in the collected versions or in the single trades they are they're single issues rather they're amazing and it's those colors put to a you know high apartment building view of the city so i'm just gonna play a second of it which is again pointless long songs like you know you know the drill just check out the album it's at least it was free for ages and ages and you can easily get it in a digital version given that it's vaporwave at least in roots all vaporwave basically should just be downloaded and then probably dubbed to a cassette if you want to do it the real way or if you're a sucker like me you're actually going to buy a physical cassette the good thing i will say is that this album gets reissued every six months now because it's like such a landmark album i think they've reissued it five or six times i've got the first cassette issue they did of it, but they've done like double LP versions and all sorts of different shit. They've done t-shirts. It's a big fucking deal. You probably know it if you have any interest in sort of internet based music genres and it's the hype is totally 100% valid. So let me pop this bad boy on for a second.
So, for those listening at home, well, for everybody who's listening, I suppose, uh, I'm just gonna, you just are, have heard the whole song because for Ben and I, I played a clip, but I'm just gonna put the whole thing in because it's just worth hearing the whole thing. I can guarantee you within the next five years, some auteur directors either going to use a lot of the music from this album or dream catalog, or just have <clears throat> these dudes score an album. I mean, a movie rather, because it's just that kind of a thing. Like it, it, it so hits the pixel art gifts of Tokyo made by white people who have never been there. The vaporwave thing, like all of the fast fashion on Instagram with kanji, all of this stuff. This is this is it. Like this is the 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 very heart of all of that. Not in the sense of it pushed all of those trends into existence, but this is the distillation in a good way of all of the best parts of all of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's the music that would have played in Akira the whole time if that movie was made now. Of course, it couldn't be because it would, I'm sure, suck and whatever. But, you know, it, I don't mean to overhype the album because that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying that I think it really does something that is profoundly of the zeitgeist and I don't know I just think it's like an important piece of music history but it's also very good which is awesome so well when cyberpunk 2077 comes out probably in the year 2077 <laughs> judging by how many times it's got pushed back we'll just use that as our backing track Sure, yeah. It's one of those that's when I drive late at night and am in the chill part of my night drive, I put this shit on or I put on Telepath Telepath because it's way better if you got a cutie pie in the seat next to you, but it's also good if you're by yourself because you just feel like a cool guy doing cool guy stuff, being like mad chill, and it's really gorgeous, and there's just nothing bad to say about it. So, I was the cutie pie in the passenger seat, right? Yeah, that's right, baby. Oh, hell yeah. Well, guys, that ends our uh, 38th uh, episode of Best Albums of the Decade. <laughs> <laughs> Come back for more, because we ain't done yet. I don't even know what year we're on anymore. Yeah, well, each year gets shorter after this, so by the time we get to eighteen nineteen. It's three or four things because the years, there's not enough time has passed to make any kind of serious judgments, so. Well, well, well. I'm excited to see where we continue. Anyway, that's all that we have time for uh, this week's BDMFT. Join us again, and later, nerds. Later.